Miles McLaughlin, gods damn it. <laughs> what are you doing here out of uniform? Why aren't you in the brig, gods damn it? Hello, sci fi fans. This is Michael Hogan, Colonel Ty. From <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and you're listening to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. We've long and this is a capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 189. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, it's M. Sierra Garcia. M, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show this week. Oh my gosh, I've missed you boys. <laughs> I mean, I did. You guys are the best. I and mean, it, it's just not it's just not a bi-weekly, you know, adventure without you. I would agree with that. It's not a bi-weekly adventure. I can't say that. Say bi-weekly like five times real fast. You might say I something would, you shouldn't. That would totally stump me. Bi-weekly, bi-weekly, bi-weekly. <laughs> Show off. That was, that was four times. <laughs> I said it like six, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it is right that uh, you are back. Yes, it, it was mm-hmm. certainly right. We had a lot of fun. We had a great discussion on the last show, and we're going to talk about that in the listener feedback show. And um, But it's great to be here tonight, and... Um, just doing the things we do. Um, how are things going in your uh, little sci-fi world over there? My little sci-fi world is just fine. Getting getting my my um, Marvel on, getting my Thor on, getting my all sorts of TV shows. Um, I haven't been reading a bunch, but, you know, it's kind of cool. How about you guys? Um, I'm getting my uh, Marvel on. I am, too. Uh I, I just saw Thor last Thursday. Oh, so you're last, last your Friday. Thor on too. Friday, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have mm-hmm. not gotten my Thor on yet. So you'll definitely want to remedy that. I definitely do. That sounds like a you know disease <laughs> or something. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you're picking up in the bathroom. It's uh, just a spray. Just a spray. Just a spray. <laughs> spray it on three times a day. That's right, Thor. Chris Helmsworth. Chris Helmsworth. <laughs> Ew. Loki, Loki. All right, All right. Um, and then uh, the other one, I'm Arrow. I'm up on th- I'm up on Arrow. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, um, still loving my the Arrow. arrow on. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. Well, let's move into the show tonight. We have an awesome menu that we're cooking up here tonight here at the diner. And uh, Miles, why don't you take us in and just tell us a little bit about what our diners that are with us can experience? And I just forgot before we do that, we do have to acknowledge that we are part of the Chronic Rift Network with many other awesome podcasts. Right. Um, the Bionic Podcast, we're there mm-hmm. with HG Worlds, now part of the uh, Chronic Rift Podcast mm-hmm. uh, network. And so it's just been, and there are, I'm not mentioning half the shows that are on there, but um, make sure that you check them out. 
Yeah, they have a lot of great podcasts yeah. on there. Yeah, and we are also uh, we also have our Amazon affiliate store, which a lot of you guys have been graciously buying your stuff through Amazon, um, both for personal and man. I've begun to buy Christmas gifts already, and. The way so I do it. Going to use it for Christmas shopping. Exactly, exactly. And when my wife wanted to buy a bed in the bag, right? Nothing sci-fi related. I hopped on the Sci-Fi Diner site, searched up the bed and bag if you want it, ordered it through Amazon, and you know it helps out the diner a little bit. Helps pay for some of our bandwidth and our hosting and stuff like that. So, listeners, thank you for uh, helping us out that way. Yeah, and uh, continue to do so. Keep us in mind as you uh, head into the holiday season here, and uh, all the Black Friday deals and everything else is popping up. So. But you Not can, Christmas yet. But yes. Uh, that's true. <laughs> well, you know, by the time this airs, it will be just one week closer. So that's what my daughter says. My daughter says, we cannot talk about Christmas. My birthday is November 24th after that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. bless. <laughs> yes. After that, before that, we can't put up a Christmas tree. I mean, I love Christmas so much. There was one October, beginning of October, I had a Christmas tree up. Because I just love Christmas. Dude. I haven't been able to do that since. <laughs> I was banned. Banned from Christmas for two months. Well, the, the stores are definitely uh, putting up Christmas trees now. That's right. Mm-hmm. I always love that Facebook picture that's popping around where, like, Santa's, you know, the turkey's scolding Santa or vice versa or something like that. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. This is my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Let me have my mom. So, yeah, like after Halloween, just everybody's thinking Christmas already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Santa saying, get in my belly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, let's go into the menu tonight. What are we, we are not serving up turkey tonight, but what are we serving up? We are serving our interview with uh, Greg Evigan. Who, um, his sci-fi claim to fame was uh, the, the TV show Tech War that uh, William Shatner wrote and produced. Uh, he was also in a... In a um, not, I would say above B movie, uh, a sci-fi channel movie, um, uh, Roswell Attacks. So we we're, we're gonna have an interview with him tonight that we did at, at uh, Shore Leave, and uh, we're gonna ask our trivia question this week. And I think we stumped you, uh, listeners, uh, this time. So, but but I'm gonna give you some clues. We're gonna help you out, and so you can try to win that prize. And TV news. Um, there's not one, not two, but three trailers for uh, Day of the Doctor. So we'll be talking some Doctor Who tonight, uh, the almost uh, human premiere, and uh, the Governor returns. Uh, so for, for Walking Dead, in movie news, uh, we have uh, we have a new uh, uh, RoboCop trailer, and uh, we have a rumored uh, Scarlet Witch actress confirmed, and in uh, we have a Star Wars uh, Episode Seven uh, uh, release date confirmed. As and well. also not in there, we have we're going to talk about the Thor opening weekend. Thor opening weekend, yes, yeah, absolutely. Thor! Mm-hmm. And in this week's twist, um, uh, first look at uh, IDW's new uh, comic book. Um, they're, they're doing a special on, on Khan in, in, in the new movie. And Sci-Fi 5 of 5, um, top five sci-fi books M should read but just can't get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, what, is it? what did we say? It's actually more like ten, but five of them are the ones you couldn't get through. And what are the other five, Mem? So five are the ones that I, I trudged through and loved to death. So they're... It's the five I can't get through, but I I just can't get through. But I watch the TV and or movie. <laughs> <laughs> good. So that'll be uh, that'll be some good times there. But so you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Uh, well, Miles, why don't you take us into the trivia tonight? My understanding that with this trivia, mm-hmm. as you said in the menu, 
We're going to get a little bit of a hint here. Right. And uh, we're giving away a great prize. If you listen to last week's uh, show, we uh, aired our interview with uh, uh, Neil Grayston. And so we're going to give you a little piece of uh, Neil. You could, I'm sure some of his DNA is still on there where he autographed the picture. So you can, you can clone your little, own, uh, your own little Fargo. But uh, so this is what we're asking you this week. Uh, it's, it's a quote. Who said this quote and, and from what the movie it is? So this is the quote. Does thinking you're the last sane man on earth make you crazy? Because if it does, I am. And the, uh, the code word is sonic screwdriver. And the clues are, let's just say there are robots in this movie and there's a Firefly reference. There, there is a connection, I should say. Yes. Firefly connection to it. So hopefully, hopefully, those of you that call yourself Firefly fans know this right away. Because Firefly fans, all they do when they watch a show is you say, "Look, it's a Firefly alumni. There's Summer Glau. There's Malcolm Reynolds." They they, they do that all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I do it all here on the show. We'll be talking like, "Oh yeah, that's Malcolm Reynolds," or "That's a, you know mm-hmm. Castle. You know the one with Malcolm Reynolds." In. Right, but we still know him as Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> you know, are they? Oh yeah, this is this show. Oh yeah, Independence Day. Yeah, Jane was in that one. Right, <laughs> and so was Data. So yeah, Data was in that one too. Yeah, so was Data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you he mean, wasn't in Firefly. No, nah, he wasn't. He, true, unfortunately, but <laughs> <laughs> but but anyways. So uh, hopefully those clues will help you uh, do a little homework and find who 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 said that quote and the movie it came from. I liked Wash and Dollhouse. Oh, he was he was crazy. <laughs> He's there. creepy and dull. But anyways, we can we can talk about that all day. Again, make sure you include the code word when you're calling in because hey, you don't include that code word, we're uh, not going to give you the prize. We we want to we want to make sure that you are actually listening to us jabber on here, and not one of you annoying spammers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's move on into our first promo tonight, and we're going to do our first promo. We're going to give some love to Jim's sci-fi blog, and let me tell you, Jim just constantly, he's been writing. You can tell that the band season's over, like he's a music teacher, and he does band for a school, and it's over because he's, like, blogging all the time now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he did one on what was Ender's Game, and he did Thor, and then he, did, he watched Contact, did one in Contact. I mean, just constantly going, so... He's, he, yeah, he, he, he's got great blog listeners you, you need to check out. Yeah, so this is for Jim's sci-fi blog. Make sure you get a chance to check it out. When you don't read Jim's sci-fi blog, you are uninformed of the science fiction world. When you are uninformed about the science fiction world, you go to the cantina. When you go to the cantina, you meet attractive Cylon women who want to take you to outer space. wondered when you'd get here. When Cylon women take you to outer space, you have to run for your life. When you run for your life, you trip on a tribble and sprain your wrist. When you sprain your wrist, you get medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. I had a fruit cocktail once. Don't seek medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. Assimilate JimSciFiBlog.com. Resistance is futile. For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We have a ton of good news to talk about tonight. And we might as well start out 
but talking about something that has a lot of the sci-fi community abuzz. By the time this episode airs, we know that you're going to be just a few days out from seeing The Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special of Doctor Who, where we get not only one, but two episodes that'll be simulcast across the world. Right. And uh, I've been so tempted to go buy tickets for it. Mm -hmm. And I have. Dude, it's... It is sold out in Washington, D.C. I know. There's not a single theater I can get a ticket for. Emir's screwed. I'm sorry. It's everywhere. And it's everywhere. There's there's like 25 different theaters. And then the theaters have opened up like six or seven screens for it. It is sold out. The Whovians have come out like gangbusters. Yep, yep. It's awesome. It is. So, uh, But it's something we've been talking about for a while. We've been waiting for a while. We knew this day mm-hmm. was coming in November. Mm-hmm. But uh, not only that, but we got some trailers for it. We do. And I'm just reminded, I mean, I'm not a Whovian, but I was just interesting that at Shore Leave, uh, and, and M could attest to this, uh, they said, they announced who the new doctor is. Do you want to know? And people are shouting, no. You know, just... Uh, but there was a lot of excitement even even back in August to, for uh, um, oh yeah the new who now there's three trailers which one of these trailers do you think I should play do you want the one with John Hurt on it the one that's in the front yes okay yeah, that's a good one all right let me go ahead and play it and um, and then we'll talk about it I've had many faces many lives I don't admit all of them there's one life I've tried very hard to forget. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. The moment is coming. I'm ready. Why are we all together? Why are we all here? I remember this. Almost remember. Oh, you've redecorated. I don't like it. For once, I would like to know where I'm going. No, you really wouldn't. I'm looking for the doctor. Well, you've certainly come to the right place. You know, you're right. You're right, Em. That David Tennant does not miss a beat. No, <laughs> he's uh no. He he's. We could we could do like three whole shows on how much I love DT. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I you know, every time I've watched a new Doctor come on the scene. Um, you're all we have. We've had this discussion before. You're always kind of like, oh man, not a good, not as good as a prior doctor. And then they grow on you, and like, oh, he's the best doctor ever. And then you're like, oh, Matt Smith is on. Oh, I'm gonna hate him. And then it's like, oh well, Matt Smith is, you know. <laughs> and so there's just this constant switching over of the guard, and they manage to get actors that kind of each have their own unique twist on it, but that kind of capture you. And ah, oh, they're just uh, their, their quirkiness has just been great, and they managed to nail it the past couple of doctors. And I hope they can do it when they get their next doctor on. Mm. So it, 
it's I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I'm excited at how big of an event it is, because when it, when Doctor Who came back in 2005, it really was a European thing and kind of something secret that the nerds hung out with and watched. And then it's just exploded in the cross. Uh, it's across so many different demographics, and so many people are into it. So it's it's just so cool to see it become. I'm not going to say that it's become mainstream. I feel like mainstream is kind of bent and let quirky and interesting and different be more acceptable and, and awesome. Mm. That's my soapbox for the day. Well, you know, and I, and I kind of agree. I think that, you know, Doctor Who is one of those things that there's still, it's still not, it's not as mainstream as, let's say, like Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I mentioned this before, but even this past week, I guess, I guess it was last week, we were just sitting around the beginning of classes before classes started and there's about four or five other guys just talking about like Carol and what was going on with Carol and Walking Dead and you know and how much you hated Carol you know <laughs> and, but this whole conversation and you know I, I wouldn't have that conversation five years ago because Walking Dead wasn't around but Walking Dead has become mainstream well I have this conversation with about Doctor Who but it's the people that watch Doctor Who are a little bit more quirky and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's not, that's not a bad thing. That's just that they are, they are not the same people that are watching Walking Dead. And Walking Dead has become, become kind of a pop culture phenomenon. And, and who has moved that direction but not near as far? And maybe it's because it's British a little bit. But it's interesting that what Em was saying, uh, that they're showing the premiere at the movie theaters that did, and it's selling out. I mean, it's selling like hotcakes. I mean, that says something. It does say something. Yeah. 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 Any other thoughts on who am? Nope. Go watch, learn, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew though. I've been, ha- I struggled with the last season because I'm a little annoyed with Clara. And so I kind of put it on a, we had a break. I still have the last three episodes to go, which I have been told is our three most pivotal episodes. Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm going to catch up with that and kind of reignite my fire for for Doctor Who because I'm su- I'm just super excited. Nerdness. Yay. Yeah, you, you know what? There was a sense where, and I don't think it was Matt Smith's fault or anything, but there was a sense where last season did come across as being kind of tired. Mm. I, I don't know how it was. It it was good. I enjoyed it. Was it Doctor Who? Absolutely. Did were the great episodes, but it just didn't snap the way some of the other seasons did. So yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what our, our new older doctor can do uh, with the series and obviously looking forward to the 50th anniversary. So, Woo-hoo. yeah. All right, uh, Miles, why don't you bring us into some movie news here? Sure. Uh, so, well, no surprise here or very little surprise. There's no question that, that uh, Thor, the Dark World, would dominate ticket sales at the bo- U.S. box office this weekend. But many are wondering how it would compare to other movies in the Marvel series. While it's very unlikely that this would have the same strength as Iron Man 3, the Thor sequel easily surpassed $65.7 million opening weekend for the first Thor movie. And it's the U.S. this weekend, Thor the Dark World, an estimated $86.1 million and brought in another uh, $240 million in international ticket sales. <laughs> So it's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great news. And I don't know how much it, you know, I can find this out. I was wondering how much it took to make the movie, but I just heard a report that Chris Helmsworth said he just loves playing Thor. 
Mm-hmm. That he played Thor for however many movies they, movies they won, but he signed up for I guess two more Avengers movies and okay, and just another Thor movie yet. Mm-hmm. But then after that, his contract's done, and maybe he'll feel differently after doing another three movies on it. But <laughs> at this point, he just loves playing Thor. How, how could you not? I mean, <laughs> I, but uh, you know, it was an inter- it was interesting to see that because I read I read the critics' review of this, and let me tell you, critics were not flattering. Oh, I, I didn't to, read it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't flattering for this movie. They said, I, I forget what they were saying. It was just they just weren't um, they weren't very positive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read any of the reviews about Thor before he went in? I did. I actually um, I went to go and see it, and the person that I I overslept that morning, so I was supposed to go see it Sunday morning, but I slept in a bit because I wasn't feeling great, and I missed it. But I did do a lot of reading before. Um, and there were people comparing it to Avengers and comparing it to, they were doing a lot of comparisons, which is something that I was doing. I was getting ready, ramped up to like, okay, this had better be better than Thor 1 and it better be up to par with this. And then I realized this is a new phase. This is a new set of chapters for this story that they want to tell. So I need to just kind of separate myself from it and, and see it as a new film. And a lot of a lot of the critics just didn't do that. They they saw it as a continu- and it is a continuation, but they saw it as a really literal considered continuation. And this is really the big be- of a, a whole new arc, a whole new section of of this big story that they're telling. So, um, I, I just I think the critics were too hard on it, and uh, maybe the movie just wasn't for them. Maybe they're not the right audience. Yeah, maybe. You know, and they and they did. They did kind of get a bump from Avengers. I mean, everyone that went and loved Avengers said, "Why don't we go see Thor?" And that certainly helped them. Mm-hmm. But by the way, I did look up uh, how much it made, uh, how much it cost them to make it. Hundred and seventy million. It's just so it's they just, made it back. Yeah, I mean, they'll make it back, but it's just and that's just the opening weekend. So. It's really expensive to make a movie these days. <laughs> it is. And merchandising alone, there's Thor's, it's not as much as Avengers stuff or Superman stuff, but there's a lot of Thor stuff out there. And some of the toys and action figures and things that are that are coming out for the holiday season, um, there's, a, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of money to be made. And they'll make it up in ticket sales, but they'll more than double it in, um, in merch. Oh, absolutely. And did you see that uh, Miles did post this on our... Uh, the Sci-Fi Diner fan page on Facebook, which, by the way, if you're listening and you're not a member of the Facebook fan page, what are you waiting for? Oh, um, God, right? I know. But anyways, Miles posted, I believe it was a video of Loki sitting with a bunch of small kids. Did you mm-hmm. see that video, M? No, I didn't. Oh, oh great. my God, uh, I'm going to watch it now. you, you got to watch it because it's hilarious. I mean, he's sitting there, right, and there's these, there's these kids. He's like, so who do you like better, Thor or Loki? And the, the one girl's going... Thor! And all the kids are going, Thor! Well, why do you like Thor? Well, he has this hammer, and he's electric, and he knocks people down, da 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 And the next scene shows, uh, what is it? It's a Loki, like, pushing. He just pushes the little girl off her, w- w- this little thing she's sitting on, and, you know. He says, see, I can do it with my hand. I don't need a hammer. <laughs> um, I, I, gotta, I gotta find it. I gotta watch it. You That's do. Awesome. And then he's like, <laughs> and the girl's like, you're so rude. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that I watched is if you, if you can find a clip, I saw a two-minute clip of this, and I would love to see a longer one. But at San Diego Comic-Con this past year, when they did the Avengers panel, the Age mm-hmm. of Ultron, right, he, um, 
they, they get out and they say, yeah, we're filming this. Um, they actually, excuse me, it was a Thor panel for the upcoming movie that just came out. And the producers there on stage are saying, yeah, we filmed this little movie this summer called Thor. What's it called again? Thor. The Dark World. The Dark, dark World. Everyone's cheering. And then the lights go out. And there's like nothing. And then what do you hear? You hear the voice of Loki. <laughs> and the lights flicker back on. And it's Loki in full dress. Like he's dressed exactly like Loki from the movie. <laughs> and he's treating the crowd of Comic-Con like they're his minions. And is absolutely awesome. Wow. I'm getting chills just, you know, talking about it. Because it was good. So we, I, I'm going to try and post that into the page somewhere. Oh, that's a fine. But it's, um, oh, my God. I get chills right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. We should stop the show so you can watch it. But I can't find it. Duh! Uh, that's all right. All right. Next well, time. All right. Next time. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll run around to talk about it after the show. And we'll, we'll make sure you watch it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Sweet. Beep. All right. Uh, where are we at? Um, Robocop, M. You're talking about Robocop. Robocop. Oh, my God. Because he's Brazilian. Now- <laughs> so, yes. Um, the new director, Jose Padilla, which to you other people, it actually is Jose Padilla. Um, I just love that it's Portuguese, Jose Padilla. Um, <laughs> you say it much so better you- than I would say him. <laughs> You guys have got to click on our link and watch the Robocop take out a full room of drones and kick him butt in the new trailer that Jose Padilla put out for the Robocop reboot. It is awesome. It shows a ton of great footage. There's a healthy dose of Sam Jackson now. What more could you want? There's a lot of good stuff going on. And it really sets up the new Robocop. Um, It's not the old story. It's a whole, it is truly a reboot. It's a different mech. It's a different story. It's a different Alex Murphy. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. And I know, okay, everybody, relax. We are all still recovering from Total Recall. It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Just deep breath. Use your yoga breathing. Find your center. I... (laughs) I am super psyched. I have all the reboots that there, people are talking about, like Terminator. No. Charmed? I don't think so. This, they really took some time and thought and effort into this. And I am in. I am in. And I, I think I'm going to guarantee that it's awesome. There you go. You heard it here. M is guaranteed. It has it's the awesome. M stamp of, of approval. That's right. That's right. And a M stamp of reprisal, if it really <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I was I was thinking, are we going? Was Flea in the original RoboCop? Am I right about that? The guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers, or am I thinking Terminator? He was. I thought he was in Terminator. Was I think he he's in, in Terminator f- too. Was that, is that what I'm thinking? Well, I, I didn't know Flea was in uh, Terminator too. He, no, he's in one of them, mm-hmm. and it's, he's not in the first oh, one with Bill Paxton. Which one is that? Paxton. I'm trying to think which uh, Schwarzenegger movie. He he. Well, no, he was in. Um, the, the first Terminator. Now movie. I gotta go IMDb it because mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Because was Flea in it? I don't know. Oh, g- give me a second. I, I'm, I'm gonna look it up and I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna. I, I gotta. Gotta find it here. I'm gonna pause the show. All right. I was wrong. <laughs> Flea was not in the RoboCop or even Terminator. I don't know. what I was thinking he should have been in Terminator, in my opinion, but he should have been the Terminator. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that might be a little much. A little bit much, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. But he is a rug rat, but that's beside the point. 
Doesn't play into the show at all. But anyways, uh, should we play the trailer here, or you just want to? So I just post it into the uh, show notes. Well, I, I like. I think we ought to because it's a more expanded trailer. We ought to, we ought to talk about it. You want to hear it? Okay, mm-hmm. Miles wants to hear it. Let's go ahead and play it. Hi guys, my name is Josep Agilia. I'm the director of the new RoboCop. Uh, I'm thrilled to have had the chance to. Uh, I should just play that again and again because uh, he says his name. You know, based on the original one, I'm a fan of the original movie because it was ahead of its time, both statically and thematically. Uh, back in '87, it was talking already about automated violence, both in war and law enforcement, and so uh, now we actually have that happening in our lives, and it's going to be more and more present. So we already have the drones. Uh, Now we're going to have um, automated robots doing law enforcement and replacing soldiers in the battlefield. So we had a chance to make this movie and talk about this. Don't forget, the movie's on the theaters on February 12th. Check it out. And we need to see if we can get the director on sometime. Just saying. I'm on it. (laughs) I told you that even the worst neighborhood in America could be made completely safe. How do I know this? Because it's happening right now in every country in the world but this one. It is great to see American machines helping to promote peace abroad. So then tell me, why can't we use these machines here at home? Why is America so robophobic? We need to give Americans a product they can love, figure they can rally behind. We can't put a machine on the street. Get machine. They want a product with a conscience, something that knows what it feels like to be you. Give me mom a kiss. Hi, baby. Too slow, boy. We're gonna put a man inside a machine. Time to wake him up. Make him more tactical. Let's go with black. Quality control, EM-208 versus Tin Man. We are going to make a lot of money. Play good cop, bad cop. Bad cop, Robocop. Please, I'm doing what you did to Thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> I know, Gary. Oldman. I know. So, is America robophobic? I, I was going to ask you if you're robophobic, Miles, but <laughs> um, yes, yes, ro- ro- definitely robophobic. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It depends what kind of robot we're talking about. Ro- <laughs> did I say robot? Robot. <laughs> what kind of robot? Robot you're talking about, too, Miles? But robot. Mm-hmm. You know, there is certainly when we talk as we talk about America, talking about a movie that's certainly applicable with the violence that's hitting our streets. I don't know about you guys, but it just seems like every other day we get some idiot that does a massive shooting somewhere mm-hmm. and 
totally, number one, puts a bad light in every responsible gun owner and also shows why there are idiots that just shouldn't own guns. Um, mm. But the idea that there's just so much violence in the streets, and then we're talking about, in the mix, we're talking about drones. And did any... Um, and so did any of you think when you there, there's that one mech and the two legs that's kind of walking through the street, that reminds you of the Hunter Killers from uh, um, Terminator a little bit? It, it, it didn't because I was I was th- more think, the, thinking about what you, what you were talking about is just how as a society, we their society probably is craving more in the way of security. And th- this movie is kind of trying to is, is addressing that that theme. And it is it's just the way to go with, um, you know, these these drones uh, patrolling the streets. So the idea that technology with technology, we can do this, mm-hmm. but should we? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, right. it's kind of this hyper security and this hyper state of awareness of, of letting machines, letting technology, not really spy, but just it, it, it's got the big brother connotations. It's got the 1984 connotations, the foreign, the, you know, just, it's it's really interesting that the the point of view that they took in this film um, back in eighty seven what was prevalent within the security and police state and military state and now this this is really relevant to what's going on in our current police state and our current um, military state so I. I'm really I'm curious and I'm impressed so far and I love good storytelling I love a good shot you know as long as they don't put some sort of squishy romantic crap in it I'm game yeah well I think that the only romantic stuff we're going to see is a little the tension between him as a, a cyborg and trying mm-hmm. to connect with his wife again but it doesn't seem like right I mean and that's obviously feels like it would be normal so as a part of that but it won't be overblown yeah, yeah you know I I think, you know, and one of the saddest things, in my opinion, is that in our high school, we used to teach, 1984 used to be required reading for our seniors. And uh, it no longer is. And I understand why it's not, because as 1984, like if you read 1984, there are some huge sections that are really dry. Hmm. It's a real hard, it's a real hard novel to get through. And, but it is probably... Out of all the novels that we teach in high school, it is probably one of the most relevant to today's society. I'm not surprised by that. It's been a long time since I've read it, but indeed, indeed. You know, I mean, we're still quoting from it. We're still relating to it. And, you know, that it brings up a good question. You know, how how far do you go to make a society safe? Or does living in society, is living in a society of human beings... um, a risk is freedom worth trading for security. Well, you know, there's there was a um, I heard um, there was a Garrett Hardin, who's a name you probably don't you recognize the name. No, he, I I don't keep going. Keep he, going. He, he wrote an essay called um, um, The Lifeboat, and it was a it was a treatise on why we shouldn't help the poor. All right, so it sign. It's kind of it kind of flies. The, the title is not really representative of it because he he comes off like everyone's like, "What do you mean we shouldn't help the poor?" Da, 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 da. But the, he he gave something called in it called the law of the or the tragedy of the commons. That when you have a, a common like a common country that say that we share um, and we have freedoms, the moment 
one person abuses that freedom, we begin to want to secure the common. And when we secure mm-hmm. the common, we then take away the freedom. And it's it's kind of this catch-22. So if we try to save everyone, he was writing it in reference to the World Food Bank in 1973, I guess it was. And he said, the moment we contribute to the food bank, there's going to be countries that do nothing but take from the food bank. Mm-hmm. And therefore, not equally kind of contributing to the pile. And eventually, they're going to abuse it. And then we're going to be in this idea of this tragedy of the commons. And it just makes me think about that, you know, in the society where we've had the freedom to, you know, go out, get our our hunting license. You go out, you know, pick up a gun and, you know, people begin abusing it. And now we're in the tragedy of the commons where we begin to legislate the heck out of it and potentially maybe ban it. And who's to say in a society where people are abusing it, that's not the right choice. I mean, I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a huge philosophical diatribe. Excuse me, listeners. <laughs> so. Well, that's what good good. Dude, sci-fi. we just became the Bill Maher show. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's a commentary on what's going on in life, and some people discuss it in politic in politics. Some people discuss it in art, and some people translate it into something, you know, completely different by showing us a picture of what it could be. And and uh, it's just it's what makes sci-fi awesome. It's that you can take those those mores of life and these horrible things that are happening and we can take a snapshot using the creativity of the people of what could happen and it can it can make an impact yeah i'm not saying it could i'm saying it can make an impact so and i think there. i think certainly robocop has this message and uh, In- i'm looking forward to hearing what listeners think about this when we hit february this is a movie i might want to see in the theaters yeah i'm leaning that way too yeah <laughs> i just want to see the cylons <laughs> don't the robots don't the robots look like silence or just the lights just not going across? <laughs> they, like the, the Rondi Moore silence. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Em. Let's move on. We're totally off topic here in the show. Um, we have a rumored Scarlet Witch actress confirmed that she says, anyways, that she is in Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. And um <clears throat> So anyways, I guess earlier it came out the Sam Jackson. Let me tell you, I'm going to fess up. I don't even know who Scarlet Witch is. Have you heard of Scarlet Witch before? I just know she's a character in Marvel, but I'm... See, I'm, yeah. in all the things I watch, he's, she's not in very many of the kids mm-hmm. uh, animated. Because my, my familiarity with Avengers is like sitting down with my six-year-old son to watch like the animated Avengers. Right. And, I, and she's not one that's at least a, a prominent one. But anyway, Sam Jackson claimed that Elizabeth Olsen... <clears throat> Mary Kate and Ashley uh, was an, our new Scarlet Witch, but was he telling the truth? Well, um, Elizabeth Olsen, despite the rumors, never officially admitted she's playing the witch until now. So she's out there promoting this little indie movie called Godzilla, whatever that is, um, right? Mm-hmm. And she just kind of let slip that. Um, an actor whose wife she plays, Aaron Taylor Johnson, in case you're married, Johnson's playing Scarlet Witch's brother, Quicksilver, in Age of Ultron. So mm-hmm. she doesn't say she's Scarlet Witch, but she's the wife. Or is that the right? Yeah. Or the sister. What does it say there? Oh, Wait. the wife. Yeah. So she's, yeah. Go ahead. Well, she's the daughter of Magneto and the twin sister of Quicksilver. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Anyways, we get to play husband and wife, and we get to play twin brother and twin sister, and that basically lets the cat out of the bag. <laughs> so, 
So I don't know. I mean, what do you? Th- I guess what do you think of Scarlet Witch A being brought into the Avengers and B? What do you think of this Elizabeth Olsen playing it? Miles, any thoughts? I'm not familiar with Elizabeth Olsen's work, but um, you know, it'll be good to see some different characters in the next Avengers movie. Yeah. Well, the fact that that she's in an Avenger movie ultimately makes her cooler than Mary Kate Nashley. There is that. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Emma, thoughts? So, I don't know much about Elizabeth. Um, I know that... I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm looking her up on IMDb like the rest of us are. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, yeah. my God. Who is it? Um, exactly. Uh, and then, from what I read of which she's kind of a B, C-level character, so I'm... Uh, there's some curiosity there as to what what brought what's bringing her back, but knowing you know who's involved in the Avengers, they're total comic book nerds. They're gonna have a good reason, and if they're not, you know they're not gonna do it. So I'm interested. Yeah, I'll give it a medium thumbs even. Yeah, yeah. If that's a thing. Let me tell you, when you look at a picture of her, you can totally see the Olsen influence. Like her face is totally Olsen. Oh yeah, yeah, but she doesn't look like Skeletor in Prada. No, no. Skeletor. They should make Mary Kane <laughs> Ashley should make their next movie, the Skeletor movie. Oh, with He-Man. be nice. Oh, I'm I just, just that wasn't nice what I just said. I just, <laughs> I just want to give those girls a sandwich. You know, we have some great buffets in, in, in Lancaster County. I mean, we should. Yeah, no, we can certainly come on a good piece of um, I don't know a moon pie, no. whoopie pie, or. Look, as much fun as we make of those girls, they were bazillionaires. And I that's know. like 55 bazillion zeros after the dollar sign. By the time they were like nine, they made themselves, they and their family knew exactly what they were doing. Well, but, and, and, what they've, and what they've done since Full House was a show, right, that they were on? Yeah. Yeah, so what they've done since then, they just totally increased their empire. Like the Mary Kate oh, yeah. Ashley movies oh, that came out from girls, the closing, the perfume, and da da da. They did. Yeah. The little girly makeup well, line. They had they, purses. And you know what? Honestly, they had their struggles. I mean, the, with both their thinness and we pick on them, they, their struggles become public profile because of who they are. Yeah. But but we all got them. Right. They, so uh, we yeah. dog on them. But, and you, you have know. to figure Just, they, they didn't have much of a childhood. Basically, they worked no. in Hollywood throughout their childhood, yeah. so they probably didn't have much of a childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I get Like, if somebody walks up to them and says, you got it, dude, they just want to beat them with their Bagley Mishka purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, Miles and I are trying to figure out what sort of purse that is. So I'm just going to say. Not, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you have me on the show. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Miles, why don't you bring us into this next story? Something that we, can I say we're mildly stoked? Um, mildly, maybe, maybe just a bit ambivalent. Not <laughs> so. Mark your calendars. Uh, Star Wars Episode Seven release date has has been officially confirmed. After months of rumor and speculation, the release date for Star Wars Episode Seven has been officially nailed down by Disney and Lucasfilm. The movie, which doesn't have a chapter title yet, will arrive on December eighteenth, twenty fifteen, according to a press release. Issue early today. This confirms that many reports have circulated that, that uh, indicated the film would be pushed back from what was assumed to be a summer arrival. This will be the mark, the first time that a Star Wars movie was not open during a summer movie season. You know, uh, 
I think this, re- this release date makes sense for me. I mean, you're capitalizing on a Christmas season. Sure. Mm-hmm. When are people going to be buying? I mean, they're going to be marketing the heck out of the toys. I mean, they're going to deal with, or everyone's going to be like, I want a Star Wars toy for Christmas, and they all have the new merch, Star Wars merch, toys. Merch. What was that? Tons of merchandise. Merch. Merch. Oh, all about the merchandise. It is. It is. And, and so this is a smart move by Disney. And if anyone knows how to merchandise, it's Lucas, it's Lucas mm-hmm. and it's Disney. Right. So, yeah, I, I can't think it's a bad move to uh, make this more of a, like a just just before Christmas release. And you know what? It makes sense because that summer we're going get, to be getting Avengers Age of Ultron, Batman versus Superman, Jurassic World, Terminator 5, Independence Day 2. That's all the summer and they're avoiding that. They're avoiding the summer of disappointment. Well, either that or the summer Avengers, or or, or the summer of geek gasms, because that's what's going to happen. But, (laughs) but uh, so whatever. But um, J.J. Abrams. Yeah, so it's a little over two years. Star Wars Seven. We promise it won't suck. I guess uh, the, the thing that excites me is JJ's uh, scheduled to start shooting in the spring of 2014 at Pinewood Studios in London from a script by himself and Lawrence Kasdan, The Empire Strikes Back, which for a lot of people, Empire Strikes Back was the crowning achievement of the trilogy, the first trilogy. Absolutely so the best. That, that, that gives us cause to hope. Yeah, and certainly does. I mean... There are so many iconic moments in Empire Strikes Back. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I love you. I know. Yeah. My, <laughs> yeah I know. The, uh, the, the, the sappiest, the sappiest, uh, the sappiest moment. And also, my, my favorite moment is when the walkers kind of appear out of the snow. And you oh, first yeah. see them. And mm-hmm. you're like, holy crap, they are so screwed. Or who could forget the Millennium Falcon? Um you know, being chased by the Empire in that asteroid field. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Again, so many iconic moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I, 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 think, I think Star Wars 7 will be good. I mean, now, Star Wars needed new blood, and I think J.J. is the guy to do it. It will certainly be... It, it, you know, here's here here's the good thing about it. Love Lucas to death, but mm-hmm. I'm glad he's not writing the script. We will have a better script. We will have a better script than we got in some of the other movies, and and with JJ at the helm, we'll get a lot of lens flare off the lightsabers. And uh, I'm just kidding. You might. I, I'm just saying That's that. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. Um, here's JJ's done a lot of good stuff. He's, he puts out good stories. I know that people pan him for like the whole con ripoff he did. Well, was, we can't blame him so much as it was a uh, Ursi Kortzman and um, Lindelof that they, they wrote the movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're looking forward to Star Wars. Let's talk about something else that... Um, something else with a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Star, star, blazers. Pour yourself a tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news... This week in Star Trek.
So in this week's uh, in Star Trek, IDW Publishing will release a trio of Star Trek comics um, and uh, have an exclusive on Wednesday and. Uh, on StarTrek.com has, has an exclusive first look. Uh, Star Trek uh, Con number two continues uh, IDW's five-part miniseries about Trek's greatest villain, written by Mike Johnson, overseen by Roberta Orsi, uh, with her art by Claudia uh, Balboni, and a cover by Paul Shipper. It details the outbreak of the uh, eugenics wars and a brutal rise to power of Kanunian Sin. So... so- you read the first one, right, Miles? I read the first one, yeah. And for you, you said that answered a question for you. It did. Um, I, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but one of my questions slash, I'll, I'll call it a complaint, it, it, but not 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 a not over the top complaint that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch looks nothing uh, like um, Ricardo Montalban. Well. Uh, Comic book readers, that part is going to be addressed. Was addressed in the uh, first comic book, and will probably be addressed, you know, in the second too. Oh, very good, mm-hmm. very good. So they deal with it, I, which, which I'm, which I'm glad. Yeah. Now, M, you aren't reading the comic books, right? I, I'm I'm trying not to because I, I I'm learning that comic books is a really awesome, expensive habit. <laughs> um, I've been I've been toying with doing the digital downloads versions, which are a little, uh, a little pricey. But I have heard about this, and I was really curious, and and I would like to get my hands on the first one to read. Yeah, well, you know, uh, if if you were looking for answers that Star Trek Two didn't answer, what questions would you have that you would hope would be answered in the comics? Well, there's kind of a gap between Enterprise and this movie about because there's hints to 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 Nunyan Singh in um, and the eugenics wars and all of that and to me there's a little funkiness there as to where as far as marrying those two together I might be trying too hard to want those to come together so I'm here I I want to know I want the I want the origin story of of where Khan and his those who have been altered like him came from and the eugenics wars. Oh, very good. Well, they, they do, they do, they start talking about that in the first one. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only, it's only a three issue series. So, so they'll have to wrap it up pretty fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks miles for sharing uh, this week's twist. My pleasure. And um, let's move on into our last promo tonight. Tonight, talking Star Trek, uh, Colin, a good friend of the podcast. You're actually going to hear him, and you probably heard him in the listener feedback show. But Colin is about ready to, le- to, to release his 100th episode of Trek News and Views. Yay, Yay Colin! So we want to we want to kind of pimp his show a little bit and give him some love tonight here in the diner, right. and and say again. I know we sent kind of a voicemail in last week, but. Uh, invite welcoming him to the geriatric ward of podcasting. Once you get over on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. And uh, but we want to, but we will, again want to say congratulations for kind of hitting that milestone. Oh sure, I mean, uh, lo- so, some podcasts are very ambitious, but uh, they don't always make it to a hundred. But yeah, but, I mean, some do, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot to kind of start and kind of fizzle out. And, right, because uh, so Colin is 
kept kept uh, going uh, yeah. with his and kept talking some yeah. good Star Trek goodness. Yeah, keep the fizzle away, Colin. Keep the fizzle away. Right. So, but uh, anyways, here's a promo for Trek News and Views. If you have not, you've not checked out his podcast, make sure you do so. By the way, Colin, continue to say thank you for the times you've put up. He's a guy that runs our YouTube page, basically. Right. He He's puts a, our he, interviews. He puts our interviews YouTube, up yeah. there. He mm-hmm. kind of edits them out of the show and says, "Here's Amanda tapping," and so makes it available on YouTube for people that. Find us on YouTube. So thanks, Colin, for that. Absolutely. Thank you, Colin. Ever thought to yourself, I'd like to listen to a Star Trek podcast. That's different. I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. Oh, how about one with an English host? T.L. Grey Hot. Or a news section. Accessing library computer data. Or one that can help you navigate for the latest Star Trek news. Can anyone remember when we used to be explorers? Well, not quite, but... Track News and Views will bring you the latest news with either review or discussion from a wide variety of co-hosts. Oh my. Don't accept anything less. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Track News and Views. iTunes, Stitcher Radio and on the Trek FM website. Other similar podcasts are but to be discouraged. to our interview tonight and uh, what interview do we have on tap tonight so we uh, talked to greg evigan at uh, shorely this past year and uh, sci-fi fans were who remember and like the show uh, tech war um, it was a book series uh, written by william shatner but then he he i guess produced and he played a character on, on that show uh, but the the main the lead was played by greg evigan and um Listeners will definitely know he he's got a huge body of work uh, with um, BJ and the Bear, My Two Dads, um, and he's still he's still he's still making some TV and movies out there. Uh, his kids are are also um, you know trying to make it in the business too. So so we 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 had a nice conversation with uh, with uh, Greg Evigan at Shoreleaf. And Em, you were you were there in the day that you interviewed Greg. Hmm. Uh, and so, what, <laughs> okay. So, so M, I mean, I, so, <laughs> so tell me, uh, what was your impression now, of Greg? Look, I don't want the listeners to think I am just man crazy and woman crazy because I am a little. But he just—I remember watching him from BJ and the Bear. I remember him from My Two Dads, and to see him, I watched some of Tech Wars. And that man has not, has aged like a fine, fine 
butterscotch. I mean, hello, Smokey. He just, he looks fantastic. He sounds great. He, you know, you get some that just kind of go downhill very quickly. He's wonderful. He's, and he was just, he was so personable and so nice. And to hear about all the projects he's working on and the one with his family, awesome sauce. Yeah, and if you're a dude and you look at this guy, you think, man, I hope I look as good as he does at that age. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you want you want to you want to age as well as he does. Absolutely. Yes. Or some of us just want to look like it doesn't matter age. We just want to look like him. Period. You know, who cares how old he is? You know, I, 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 I'm secure myself. I could say, you know what? I could see where M and you know the other ladies could you know think, think you know think he's good eye candy. Yeah. Regardless of age, well, you're a good-looking dude. Well, Scott isn't, but you're totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I appreciate, but what I'm just saying, I'm just acknowledging what you know that regardless of how old he is, you know, I, I don't, I don't think many women or, you know, if, if guys are into guys or whatever, um, I see him, they're gonna think, you know, for a guy his age, you know, the, the age is not gonna come up. No, no, oh, no. no, no, no. Absolutely not. Age is not an issue with him. No, but, it's not. <laughs> so when you interviewed him, did you – Where did, was it like on the con floor? Did you kind of take him aside and – Oh, good good, good question. We, we did talk to him on the uh, the con floor. So you're going to hear um, the crowd noises in the back and may, maybe you might hear uh, a fan or two ask a question or, or get a, a signed picture from him. But that's just part of the charm of doing it at con. Yeah, you know, I used to when we first started – Airing those, I would edit that stuff out, mm-hmm. and I still will if there's like a long pause. But if there's like a fan, sometimes what the fans ask is like a really good question, right? So, and occasionally one of the celebrity guests will uh, inter- interrupt and ask a question. We want to get that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I remember when Rachel Luttrell did that to Robert Ricardo. So we, we that, that that was a keeper. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, here is our interview with Greg. Why would Lambert show up at his own buy? Maybe he doesn't trust anybody. That'd be a bad investment. Jake, Sam, I knew Walter would send his finest operative. How the hell do you know who we are? Didn't he teach you? Know your enemy and always expect the unexpected. Thank <laughs> you. 
That was a little close for comfort. Yeah, it was more than that. It was a setup. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shore Leave 35, and we're hanging out with Mr. Greg Evigan. Sci-fi fans probably know him best playing Jake Cardigan in Tech War, and also guest starring in an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man. However, he's also had a very distinguished career spanning four decades acting some of the top shows, and two of those, the, the hit series, BJ and the Bear, and My Two Dads. Mr. Evigan, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Dynamite. Good to be here. Thank you. As a kid, I loved BJ and the Bear. When I was a little, my, my little brother and I played BJ and the Bear. I was BJ, of course, and he was the Bear. Um, <laughs> was that your first TV series where you were the lead? No, no, it was my. Uh, I got the first show I ever did was called The Year at the Top. Year at the Top. It was uh, with Paul Schaefer okay. from uh, Letterman. Cool. Yeah. And uh, he had hair then. And, uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember those days myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, so that was the first show. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and then I did a couple of guest stars in between when I was out. And then, uh, then I was wrapping it up to move out of, uh, you know, move out of California because it wasn't happening. Okay. And then I got BJ and the Bear. Oh, so, so that was another good break there. Yeah, it was a great break. Yeah. Good great deal. Break. You have a diverse resume. Comedy, drama. I even read you've done some musicals. But what was it like work going to some like uh, tech where that's more of a sci-fi action series and getting to be the action star? It was great. The only thing that really bugged me in the beginning was the jargon. It was like in the beginning, especially when we first started on the show, we uh, it was the beginning of a lot of the technology that we have today. Right. So uh, so it was that was the toughest part probably is learning that mm -hmm. you know learning those uh, learning the crazy jargon and then. Uh, and then, then as it went on, of course, the stunts, uh, the stunts are always, you know, that, that's always working out all the stunts and every week and, you know, trying to, it was a tough schedule with that show, you know. Did you um, do most of your Can stunts? You in? Yeah. No. Uh, did you do your stunts or did they, they give you a stunt double to help you out? We always, you always get a stunt double. Okay. You know, but, uh, but I, I did a lot of my stunts. You know, okay. So I always wanted to do it. Uh, you know, all the shows I've done, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of stunts, you know. But uh, I've had good stuntmen, too. For the really crazy stuff, you know. That's good. We're gonna drop you out of an airplane. Okay, well I'm not doing that one here. No. Yeah. Yeah. If we go back to the beginning of Tech War, how did you get the part of Jake Cardigan? I was on, I was on an audition. Uh, Bill Shatner, uh, he invited me in into audition and uh, and you know it seemed like we hit it off right away. It was one of those things where he. Uh, yeah, he, he just must have had me in mind when I before I walked in because when I walked in, he, you know, he. he uh, by the time I got home, I had about five messages on my machine that oh, said, you know, "You're in, buddy." You know, that's great. And we came, we did the four movies in the 18 hours, and it was, it was good. You know, yeah. And this weekend, you got to reunite with William Shatner. How long has it been since you've seen each other? I haven't seen him for right, at least. This has to be five or six years at least. Yeah. Real. yeah. I, I'm impressed with him. The man doesn't seem to slow down. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's got more energy than, than multiple people. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, he has multiple careers, so I guess he needs it. You know. But he inspires me that way. Yeah. I have to ask, since you're, we're at a sci-fi convention, did you like any sci-fi growing up? Um, and do you like any now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm, I was... Uh, 
the first one that I really got into was Lost in Space. Yeah. Was, you know, and then uh, the original Star Trek, mm -hmm. I was hooked on that. I watched every one of those when I was a kid. And then, you know, then I, I really wasn't as into it after that. I mean, I've always liked it, but I've never, you know, I'd watch sci-fi movies. I always loved a good sci-fi movie. I like something, I mean, you know, we've all seen reality today all the time. Reality, reality. I mean, not, not reality TV. I mean, just, just life and what life contains, right? right. So I always like the fact that a sci-fi show still has what life contains, but it always has that that heightened part of it that's the supernatural or whatever it is. You know, little, little chance to escape. Yeah, exactly. It's an escape. Right. Mm -hmm. so. So, what do you have going currently, and what we look forward to uh, in the future? Okay, I've got uh, a show on this Thursday. If you, I don't know when you're going to air this, but it's called uh, Invasion Roswell, and it's going to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock on Thursday, something like that. And I'm working on uh, music. I've got a, a Royal Philharmonic. I recorded the Royal Philharmonic, you know, on the piano. I've got uh, that coming out. I've got a TV show that my family's all in. We all we shot that ourselves, and we're out shopping that and you know working on producing oh, so you doing a lot of writing lately yeah. what kind of show do you have with your family it's uh, it's called unreal unreal and it's, uh, and it's uh, pretty much a, a father who's trying to uh, he's got a deal to do a reality show on his family but he can't get his own family to do it because they don't want to be in a reality show so it's it's kind of funny it's a good show what, we what, shot it already it was a half hour what network could that be on well we don't know we, we were looking oh, for the network okay. right now okay. you know we're, we're out shopping yeah. so you've got musicians and actors so uh, that was Thank actually you. one of my questions is like what, what great pro is there a project you like to do with your family but it sounds like you've already well, we did it yeah I'm, we're, we're working on it you know so we finished it it's a half hour pilot you know for the series and so we're in the shopping mode right now. We're looking for the right network, you know, even hoping that maybe we can get a great YouTube deal. Who knows? Or, or a great deal with uh, even Netflix would be fantastic. Or the Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, Hulu I hear may go away. I'm not sure about that. And then where can we find your music and your, and your kids' music? Well, pretty soon, my kids' music, Jason's, is all over the place. You can find his easy. Yeah. But uh, he's got the three albums out now, you know, Demi Lovato. Uh, he's got uh, Selena Gomez. And he's got... He's doing great. He's doing well. So you can okay. find him easily. Mm -hmm. Mine, you'll probably you'll be able to find on TuneCore soon. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right. We'll make sure on our Facebook page. I'll let everybody know about your your, your uh, Roswell show. Great. Okay. So, good. We'll get the word out about that for you. Okay, man. Sounds so, good. Thank you so much all for right, your time. Man. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Ready for dessert? Sci-Fi Five and Five, where we bring you the top five, the worst five of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in five minutes or less. Welcome back. We hope. You enjoyed our interview with Greg Evigan. Am I pronouncing the name right? Evigan? Yep. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. He didn't Evigen, correct me, Evigen, so that's good. Evigen, Evigen, five times real fast. No, just kidding. Um, anyways, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, before we go, we have a sci-fi 10 and 10. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because yeah, M has this difficult 
time making choices and narrowing down stuff. I'm just kidding. Dude, that's not true. It's actually two sci-fi five and fives combined, right? Yeah, because when I was putting it together, I thought, you know, the first sci-fi five and five is um, books I should really read, but I just can't get through. But I watch the movie and or TV show. (laughs) Uh, Well, there's some other books out there that I read kind of and I pushed myself to read and I loved them. I absolutely loved them and they were great. So I decided, well, if I was going to be kind of like mean to some completely mean, but I wanted to acknowledge some of the books I did push through and love. So I'll be super, super quick. No, it's fine. Go ahead. So the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I still have not made it through the first book. I can't. Even the audio book. <gasps> oh, my God. I don't, there's not enough time in the world. I just I, can't do it. I have it sitting on my shelf behind me. That's been like, 12 times I've gone through it. It's, it's number <laughs> to me because it's just something that I should definitely push through, and I just can't. Um, number four is The Song of Fire and Ice, the George R. R. Martin books. Oh, my God. I, can't, I, I, I don't want to hear how boiled leather is made 26 times, and I don't care what they're eating. <laughs> but the show is amazing. It's True. just amazing. And I know that it's, I understand that it's, it's different from the, the books, so I have the audio books to try. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then uh, Dune, which I know is the movie and the book are completely different except for the title and some of the character names. But Dune was a hard read. And, Scott, I'm going to have to talk to you about that because I, I, I know I should push through. And I think you could probably get me to go, like, to push through all the way. But I just can't do it. Yeah. And then um, number two is the Terry Pratchett Discworld books. I I didn't. I couldn't even handle the movies. There was, there was a movie on it. There's a there's a couple of Discworld movies. There's one with Sean Astin who I adore, but it just was like I felt like just tell me, tell me. I I'm not the audience for that book, but the number one book I really wish I could get through because the movie was really fascinating and I'm sure the book is immense. But it just it's just. A, it needs like stereo instructions is Fahrenheit 451, mm. which the concept of it, Ray Bradbury was a genius for calling it that because do you know, you've read it. Oh you've yeah. Seen it. Oh yeah. Okay. Favorite so, part of the movie is when you see the guy like flying and you see the wires he's hanging on. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, considering when it was made, I know, I know I'm just giving it dirt, but it's, 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 it's an amazing treatise on, on, on society and humanity. And I, I, I wish I had, I wish I had the, the, the 42 to finish actually reading the whole book. Hmm. So that's my five that I love, that I really just can't get through. Do you know, you I said, saw the movie. You, you, you said, you, you said Discworld and I was thinking Ringworld, yeah. which is by Larry Niven. Oh, okay. And that, that one, uh, there's been a few books for that. I read the, only the first one. I don't know why I was thinking Discworld. I never, never read Discworld. Gotcha. Okay. But. Well then the ones that I pushed through and loved, I mean, the myth series by Robert Asprin. I was young when I was reading those, and I was like, this is really annoying. Oh, my God, this is really cool. Just keep reading, just keep reading. And I read everything he wrote and loved it. It's been that myth, the Myth Adventures, um, uh, Myth Inc. There's so many there. Um, and then number four for me is The Once and Future King. I read that when I was 10. 
and I wanted to read it, and I pushed through that thing, and then I read it again when I was 20, and I was, and I remembered so much about it. Such an amazing push-through book that every kid should read. Mm-hmm. Every kid. Um, and then for me, the Madeline Langle books, the Time Quartet. Oh yeah. Wrinkle in Time. I was forced to read it in school, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to, and I got to love Meg, and I got to love the witch. It just, I got to love everything. It just was. It was. She was the first real super geeky girl that I'd ever been exposed. I pushed through all those books and loved every single one of them, and then quickly followed by Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern, oh, and yes. that whole Pern series. Every, every, every. If there's, a, if you've got a nerd girl in the making, you give her those books. And you, you, you read them with her because they're, and push through. It's such, a, it's such a great story. And the last series that I didn't think I would ever read, but the Piers Anthony um, Incarnations of Immortality series, On a Pale Horse is by far just a divine book. And I listened to them, all of them. I read them all, all eight books, and just delicious. I, it was worth every minute. And and so, there. I've, I feel like I've I have karmically balanced out. <laughs> <laughs> you have, from, um, you have. From the books. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, M, for being vulnerable. Being vulnerable here to our listeners here in the Sci Fi Diner. And I'm curious, like, what am I missing, guys? Tell me. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm. Tell me what you think. And we would love to know if any of you listeners had that same experience where you, people talk about a book all the time and saying, hey, I got to love this book, and you try to get into it, and you just can't. For whatever reason, uh, it's just not connecting with you. You're, you're, you're sick of the guy singing, the road goes ever, ever on. Um, you <laughs> oh, know, my God. The singing never ends. The road goes ever, ever. I haven't memorized them, but... <laughs> You poor, uh, man. Not <laughs> poor man. Yeah. Did you say I don't know friends? It's no, true. I said you poor man. No, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> okay. I'm my BFF on this show. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Miles can, Miles can be there. But um, um, yeah, you know, if you have any of your own stories where that's true, let me know. Let us know here in the diner. One eight eight five zero eight four three four three. That's one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. And let us know your thoughts about. Books that you kind of tackled that you didn't make it through, but maybe you liked the movie, maybe you didn't, uh, but people talked about them all the time. Or maybe say what, what what books made for great movies or TV, or or maybe they should not have been made into movies or TV. Or maybe they made for great TV, but horrible books. So, uh, th- that yeah. would be an interesting one, because mm-hmm. you many times think of it in the reverse. Right, usually the book is better, but sometimes that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I believe that does it for the show. That's about it. Oh. I know, I know. Well, we will see you, I guess, in a couple weeks here. And, uh, and uh, Emma, my understanding is you're going to be uh, footloose and tonsil-free? Yes, next Monday. Tonsillectomy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'm, I'm excited for the next recording because it's just enough time for me to heal up and not sound like I've swallowed charcoal. Yeah. Hopefully you get lots yeah. of ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, that's about it. Let's uh, wrap up the show. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Good night. Everybody do your dailies. Good night, Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Welcome to this. Bye to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversation. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, Tell us what you're watching or reading. 
flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>